Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This is your typical radio ad while eating a Crunch Bar. This is Automatic of Auto's Used Cars. This weekend only, we're having a whale! Bring the kids. See for yourself. It is huge. Gonna make a big splash. No other dealer can say they have a whale like this. When things sound dull, turn up the fun with Crunch. Yeah. Yeah, what you want? Beak or jaws? Feathers or fur? Sharp teeth or feet with claws? Whatever's preferred. They'll grant you all last requests to steady your nerves. Then podcast the body parts, get severed and served. Bring your weak shit where the wolf and owler. That ain't just a mistake, that's an awful howler. Both of them are known to pull up at your shows. Have the crowd witnessing the murder like they rolled in with a gang of crows. Fuck their censorship, let them see the whole thing. They stay dressed to kill, never sheep's clothing. Dark enough to turn the sun to the moon, you'll see nothing. All you hear's a huff a puff. Expect killings, red spilling and flesh ripping Impressive in it, the death bringing his head spinning Just kidding, every word in his songs about two grown men Dressed up as a bird and a dog Okay, welcome to the Wolf and Our podcast uh, How you doing? Yeah, I hope you're ready to listen with some sexy ears um, I've got two issues uh, as we go inside this podcast today First of all, I'm super sluggish I've literally just minutes ago finished a massive roast dinner wow, wow. Uh, and also my internet shit I've, you know I've had, I've had curry I had curry last night and then I've had leftover curry, curry for lunch I thought you told yeah, me I've, I thought, I've never made I thought you brilliant. told me that you're not you're banned from having curry now yeah but I'm back in I literally had a week two weeks and now we're back we couldn't be bothered to cook last night and so I had that sweet bombaloo and brindle bhaji uh, um, uh, what's the you know those potato cu- uh, cakes with green chilli I had those they're incredible Potato cakes. Yeah, they're potato cake sort of curry things. They're like a sort of, yeah, this breadcrumb around this sort of like mashed potato and green chilies. Very nice. Mm. But I'm not doing it justice, but it's incredible. Chopro or something. Chopro or something like that. Aloo chop. Aloo chop. Okay. Might be a speciality from my curry ass, but they're amazing. Yeah. Really, I'd love you to, I'd love to see you eat one. Why would you love to see me eat one? It's just, it's just the sort of way that you look when you're eating certain things. I just like the sort of. Well, you've, by the way, thank you for the re- recommendation for Egg Shack. Shout out to Egg Shack in Newcastle. That was lovely. Um, you haven't shouted out what the name of your Indian restaurant is, actually, have you? Bombay Cottage. Bombay Cottage, right? Bombay. So Cottage. we've just come back from a we've just come back from a week in Newcastle. Best part of a week yeah. in Newcastle, filming King Gaza. Um, I got yeah. to see what Tom's behaviour on set is like when you're on location, and I got to say, you know, I thought he was uh, a dick swinger when we're sort of in regular circumstances, but I really got to see, I really got to see how you operate sort of away from home. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I think the fact is you have to, you have to sort of stamp your authority when you're in foreign, foreign lands, right? And sort of like different parts of the country. Mm. As soon as I saw that angel of the North, I knew I had to go toe to toe with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm more talking about the way that you speak to other people on the product, you know, other cast and stuff. (laughs) The way that you speak to sort of, Supporting actors and stuff like that. Supporting actors, I'm, I get on very well with. I, I had some great banter with uh, essays. Actually, some of the best essays. Shout out to the Geordie essay community, man. Some great human beings out there doing their thing. Mm. Um, I mean, look, we put you up in a lovely hotel. 
Um, you ate like a king. Me? Your belly was always full. <laughs> yeah. You said to me the breakfast. I, one I, day. I, 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 listen, let me tell you something. So last podcast we had the we had the history making first podcast of the wolf and the owl yeah. in the same cage, right? Doing yeah. the podcast, and in that I mentioned the fact that I had a much smaller room than you. Um, yeah. Anyway, I've spoken to some other people, other members of the cast that were that were staying at the hotel, and I'm not saying this for comic exaggeration or to like start any kind of thing, any kind of. I 100% without doubt, right? I've I've spoken to everyone that was staying at the hotel. I had the smallest room of everyone staying at the hotel. Really? Yes. That is so so weird though. Is it? No, that is that must be down to that. No, no, listen, listen. Like let, let me tell you something, right? I I know now. I'm pretty sure. I'm 90% sure. Now I'm giving you the opportunity to do the reveal. Was this some sort of prank that you set up? So that I have the smallest room for the four days that we were there. If I'm going to be honest, and I can only be honest with someone that I'm sharing so much heart space with and so much love with, I did think it would be funny for you to be, <laughs> to see how long you'd last in a small room. Uh, and to be fair, actually the way that you dealt with it, I thought was exemplary. No, 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 no. Cut, cut the shit, jumped. cut the shit, cut the shit. Did you ask for me to have a smaller room? I said, if the, I said that you got freaked out in big rooms when I got there. Tom, Tom, listen, can you just fucking tell me? Can you just tell me? Did you ask for me to have a smaller room? I asked a woman in reception if there was a way that we could give you a small room because you got claustrophobic. Yeah, but that, then I would need a bigger room. Well, no, the opposite of claustrophobia. Like agoraphobia. You, you, like a big, yeah. So a big yeah, yeah. agoraphobia is a, yeah. yeah, yeah, big open spaces. Like yeah. if you're in a field. Not but, if you were in look, a slightly larger than average hotel room. How many other people's rooms did you see? I spoke, I saw three other people's rooms. And then once right. I realized that those three people had bigger rooms than me, I conducted a survey. And it turns out I had easily had the smallest room of everyone in that production. <laughs> can you just, can you just tell me? Okay, I did. I, uh, yeah. What did you say? Well, I just said that, can we put Romesh in a small room? And the, the woman really laughed and she said, I'll see what we can do. I swear and, to God, yeah. are you, I just need to, I can't <laughs> figure out if you're lying or not now. I think the beauty of a practical joke is never knowing. I think that's the beauty of No, it. a practical joke, right, is saying to somebody, this is a practical joke. You turn up at the, I turn up at the hotel I go to get shown to my room. I open the door. It's a tiny box room. And then you go, ha ha, only joking, mate. Got ya. Like, I'm in there for 20 minutes. And then you go, ha ha, got ya. Here's your real room. A practical joke, a prank, a funny prank, isn't making someone stay in the smallest room for four fucking days without telling them what's going on. I, I, thought, that you, I thought you liked it. You said on the broadcast last week that you were quite happy there. You know, I'm being, thought, poli well, I'm being polite because I think that's just how it's worked out. I look in your room. You've got the big dick number one on the call sheet room, King Gary or whatever you've requested. No, but through, so yeah, fucking, quite a few you've got the ego. You've got the ego suite. So I thought, okay, fine, right? <laughs> that that makes sense. What I didn't realise is every fucker on that show, except for me, has got a room that equivalent size. Oh fuck! Did everyone have that room? Yeah. Are you joking? Dude, 
every like, single room was like there's that four different scouts. Right, right. So let me just throw right. Simon Day had a proper suite on the seventh floor because he paid the extra money to have a seventh uh, be on the seventh floor, right? Right. And then there were these corner suites. So if you think about the building, there's four corners, right? Sorry, let me explain that to me again. So what, how does it work? <laughs> a building has four corners. There's four corners. Oh, this is yeah, where your scaffolding corners, experience right. comes into play. Okay. <laughs> right. And obviously then there's six floors apart from the suites, right? Yeah. So how many uh, how many corners is that altogether? That's 24 corners. Yeah. So I just assumed that everyone would be in a corner suite like mine was, or corner room. I think a lot of people were. But obviously... Yeah, the, everybody the except for me was. That's what I'm saying to you. But I, now I'm trying to establish whether you did it as a prank. I thought you'd have kicked off and said, Oh no, thank no, I don't want this. Like, is there a way of um like me being put in a better room? And then we'd have just gone, Oh yeah, cool, we'll just stick you in a corner suite. But hold on, you're, you're behaving like we didn't discuss this at length on the podcast. How many times do I have to yeah, talk no, but about no, it? You said you were happy. You said you you said you I felt I feel really bad now. I feel like sort of getting you a room somewhere that's a really nice big sexy room somewhere. Well, I'll tell you when the time right, was to, to do up. that, at the beginning of my stay in Newcastle. <laughs> Right. I still don't know what the fuck happened there. Did you yeah, ask you me to have so a... happy no, when you, did you ask when you me... turned up on set? Yeah. You seem so happy and content. I've never seen you so happy and virile. First of all, you have seen me a lot happier than when I turned up on set that day. Right? That's the first thing I'd say yeah, to you. Yeah, okay. Second thing i say to you is, I said to you, I've got a much smaller room than this. So what, what was my... Was there some sort of secret word I had to say? In order to unlock the no, possibility, no, right? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through how it was. I turned around and okay, went, "Okay, go." On. Right, this is exactly how it happened. Off air, I said, "Oh, right, are you in a really, really small room? Are you? Is it okay?" And you went, "Yeah, no, you know what? It's fine. It's fine." It, okay. It's so, but before fine. you carry on, just so you know, people that listen to this, this entire conversation is a fucking fabrication. But go on. But let's just let it play out. Go on. All right, and then I said, "Are you sure about that, mate? Because I can, we could see about you getting another room." And you went. <sighs> No, 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 no. It's, that's it's good, mate. It's good. It's all good, bro. <laughs> that was sort of it. That's not what happened. We sort of what should... happened? Let me tell you what happened. Should... On, on the podcast, you said to, you uh, you made up some story about how the garden reception has got some sort of issue with me, and then you said, "Oh, that." Then you just made it out like that's how it just worked out. And I thought, I don't want to ca- ca- cause a fuss here. It's actually a decent enough room. It's just small. But I, exactly. I will live with that, right? What I didn't realise was that I was the only fucking twat on the whole thing that had that room. In all fairness, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. And that is honest. I didn't know that. I thought, like, there'd be, like, sort of a certain people in those rooms and certain people in those rooms, and they'd divvy them out like that. All right. Well, look, I'd be, I mean, you know, if you, if you didn't know that, I don't care. But if you did know that, and that was an idea of I a prank. I, <laughs> that was not a prank. I didn't prank you on that, 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 that level. Okay. I mean, when we're talking about that sort of scenario, though, uh, I've just watched, and this is why I do feel bad about you being cooped up in that tiny little room. It's because I've just watched the Ross Kemp uh, UK Tiger thing. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. How good is it? Um, what do you think of Ross so Kemp? It's, it's, Ross, it's Ross Kemp looking at, like, basically the UK versions of Joe Exotic. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, there's no one out there who's as big a character as Joe Exotic at all. Everyone's quite sort of meek sort of English sort of there's a scrap mm. metal dealer who's brought so he's basically got a whole, I mean there's mad places in this country with massive zoos but um it's yeah it's down to whether you like Ross Kemp or not 
How do you find Ross Kemp? How do I find him? I find yeah. him like somebody who I haven't seen do anything since he was granting EastEnders, is how I find him. <laughs> Don't, have you never watched any of his other documentaries? No, no, I, I'm not. But by the way, that sounds like I'm slagging the geezer off. I'm not slagging him off at all. What I'm saying is I don't I don't have an opinion on anything that Ross Kemp has done since EastEnders because I haven't really watched it. But that's not to say... Um, I, but first of all, let me just qualify this. I thought Ross Kemp... Well, you're East- like me, fucking, with the room. You're skirting you around this. Like You think Ross Kemp's going to beat you up? I'm not skirting around. <laughs> look, look, Ross Kemp... You're it, fucking shit I'm scared not, of Ross I'm Kemp. Not, no, no, I'm not <laughs> shit. I've known you a long time. I've never seen your fucking... I've never seen your apricot go like this. You literally... You, you slag Ross Kemp off, right? And then you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, but I like the guy. Yeah, I like him. He's a cool guy. He's sweet, man. Okay, shut up, shut up. I'm not saying he's a cool guy. I don't know him. My apricot has not gone, right? I just haven't watched anything Ross Kemp has done since EastEnders. He was good in EastEnders. I'm not disrespecting anything he's done since. I've just never watched it, all right? Is it good, what he does? All right, look, I quite enjoy Ross Kemp as a human being. I just think there's something quite sweet about him. He sort of speaks very slowly and very mannered with how he does stuff. Actually, I think that he's sort of, I think he cares about the world and actually he's got quite a sweet face when he sort of looks down the camera lens and stuff. So, yeah. I, well, what does it take to just, it, what does it take to just get a fucking genuine opinion from you on something? <laughs> that is, I'll tell you what, mate, you, we've got a real grumpy, Mr. Grumpy Pants in the, in the, on the thing today. Literally just grumpiness just seething through you. I'm not being grumpy. It's just you know that... what? I'll tell you what, you could do worse in, in this grumpy little mood you've you found yourself in today. Go and watch a bit of Ross Kemp. He would cheer you, cheer you up. He's just got a nice way about him. <laughs> you know, it's a proven fact he's never grumpy. It's a proven fact he's never grumpy. This is it, this is what I'm talking about. But anyway, look. So you think he cares about the world? So how was he in this tiger thing? What's it called? Ross Kemp. Quite, Ross Kemp I've, versus the Tiger Kings or something? No, no, no. It's Ross Kemp and the UK Tiger Kings. Look, I think the trouble is the actual the truth of the matter is what you realise is the the Tiger King documentary itself is only that good is because of Carol Baskin, Joe Exotic, and the characters within it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's only so much heavy lifting that Ross Kemp can do. And their actual people are quite beige who kick tigers and lions. They're just very wealthy people who haven't actually got much about. And that's what's great cause about, you know, the other version. There was one guy in it who's got a, uh, a scrap, big scrap yard. And he's got, he actually has got his massive zoo. That's quite, was quite interesting. But I just like watching him. I actually know, this is, if, if anyone knows Ross Kemp, shout this out to him. I think he should do a whole series of um, sort of meditation chill videos of like to chill people out. That's, if I if I was a career advisor at Ross Kemp School, that's what I'd have told him. If you were a career advisor at Ross Kemp School when he was a kid, you would have said, "When you grow yeah. up, I think you should do some meditation videos." Yeah, or like what is it like about it. Uh, what is it about Ross Kemp that you find so meditative? Because he speaks so so slow. Everything's quite slow, and everything's quite mannered. He's not posh, but he's not working class. He talks in an RP voice, mm. and so slowly. He's, he's great. I wonder if the next documentary is going to have to be Ross Kemp versus Tom Davis's tongue up his arsehole because you're properly having him here, aren't you? <laughs> I just like the guy. I just like the guy. I've met him before. And he, I, you know what? I just That's one of the things. I met him uh, at a awards festivals, or awards ceremony, whatever they're called, right? And I stood with him and I just didn't fucking spend it. I didn't, I didn't really dr- drink him in enough. Do you know what I mean? Right. 
I just thought he'd be there all night and he sort of had a quick chat of him and then he slipped off into the darkness. Like oh yeah, did you do that, that classic thing? You know, you know when you're at awards or whatever and you see somebody yeah. that you quite respect and quite like, but you don't want to look yeah. too, you don't want to look too thirsty, right? So you see him yeah. and then you sort of say hello. And then what you do is you keep it quite brief because you think what I'm going to do is I'm going to start off with a little introductory to sort of hello, how you doing? And then hopefully there'll be a couple more sort of drinks from the well of this person I and mean, then gradually we sort of, you know, get into a situation of having a chat. And then what happens is you have that first little chat, they fuck off, and then you think, oh, I should have absolutely been as thirsty as I possibly oh, could mate, at the yeah. first instance. I think you've got to, when you meet someone that you, you like that much, you just got to soak them in as much as you can. You might never see it. I might never meet Ross Kemp again. That re- and that makes me sad. Yeah. I'm, I, imagine, anything, really. I imagine he'll be all right about it. <laughs> what, what, uh, who's the person that you've been most, um, like, buzzing to meet? Uh, the one of the weirdest ones was I met John Motson at the BAFTAs, right? Yeah. Uh, when we were nominated, and uh, I saw him at the bar, and I never ever go up to anyone and get a picture. Really, it's not one of my things. But I sort of saw him there, and I, he was standing on his own. And he looked a little bit sort of lost. And I went over and I said, "Oh, um, you right, John? How you doing, mate? Uh, you know, massive fan of your stuff. I really, really like you." And he said, "Oh, um, all right. Uh, well, I can't find my wife at the moment. I don't seem to be able to find my wife. I don't know where she is." I said, "Oh, um." All right, well, do you want a hand looking for a type thing? He said, I think she might have gone to her seats. Can you take me to the seats? And um, I said, yeah, 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 of course, of course. So um, I said, just give us your ticket. So I sort of then sort of like start walking John Watson through the sort and of just, like, just to give you an ceremony. idea, how, how exciting was it for you to be getting on with John Watson so much that you'd essentially become his usher? Well, this is the whole point, right? <laughs> <laughs> I took him to his seats where him and his wife are sitting, right? I went, oh, you're sitting here and all that. I found him, I walked past a few people, exchanged a few nods. Uh, and his wife was like, oh, thank you, thank you. You know, sit down, John. And he said, oh, I couldn't trouble you for a couple of um, bottles of water. Like, oh, my I was like, yeah, God. Could, yeah. Right. And then um, I, uh, so I scarpered back and uh, grabbed a couple of bottles of water. And then I walked. Hold on, hold on. Stop, 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 stop. Why are you getting him bottles of water? Well, because he's John Watson. And I, I was just like in awe of him. I grew up listening to that man's voice. So, Were you not um, surprised that he'd asked you to go and get him some refreshment? Well, a little bit, but then I thought on the other end, well, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's quite, you know. <laughs> I, he, he clearly didn't know who I was, right? Right, right, right. Anyway, fast forward a couple of hours, uh, we, we went to I went to BAFTA and then I got on stage and did a speech. And I was on doing the speech, I looked down to my right-hand side and John Watson and his wife are looking at each other and staring up at me going, why the fucking hell is the usher picking up a BAFTA? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he got a Lifetime Achievement Award that night and then came up to me a bit later and he said, why on earth did you, you know, walk me all through the... Yeah, I thought you were an usher or a bouncer or something, or some doorman. And I went, well, you're John Mutz, aren't you? He said, but it's a bizarre, bizarre thing to do. But yeah, I quite enjoyed it. Enjoyed spending time with him. Got a lovely picture of me and him. Um, yeah, it was one of, one of my favourite memories of the BAFTA. Can I, can I tell you something? I think mm-hmm. that is testament to what a lovely, lovely man you are, right? Because there are some people who in that situation, their egos would have dictated, they would have gone, well, hold on a minute, I think you know, I'm actually up for a BAFTA rebate. Like, you seem to have me mistaken for somebody that's one of the serving staff here. Uh, <laughs> so what I would say is absolute pleasure to meet you, but from the bottom of my heart, go fuck yourself, all right? I'm not going to go what get What would you water. have done? I, I can't envision Cause, a Because this is the thing, right? Yeah. Right. I, I think you, right, and I know you very well. 
I think there's a element of you that you would say on here maybe that you wouldn't do it. I think in real life, the reality is you were going in the water as well. I, know. I think I, you're a nice I, person. I, yeah, but I and you're the same ilk as I am. You, you, yeah, you would. You, I would. I'd lay money that you'd you'd have done the same thing. Okay. Do you, you think might not that's walk because to, to a seat, but you would have definitely got in the water? Do you think that's because we're nice people or because we don't like confrontation or awkward situations? I mean, what? Which one of those two is it? Yeah, I think it's more of a testament. Look, I think in that situation, it's harder work to be a dickhead than it is to be decent. I think most people are going to go. I mean, we're not talking right. Look, if it's if it's someone in their sort of forties, fifties, whatever, there's a chance you'd go. Well, get your own water. It's just, we're talking about John Watson. Sure. We're talking about you know, a, you know, an older gentleman and his wife. Who, so I th- I'd like to think most people would do it. I think it's a harder thing in that situation to be the dickhead and go. Well, actually, I'm not going to go uh, because I'm also nominated for an award. And I, you know, I think. You'd do that for anyone, wouldn't you? If they wanted a glass of water, you'd go and get a glass of water of a certain age. And also, he was very sweet in the, in the manner of fact that he asked. Mm. So, I, yeah. Look, I mean, I will say this, lovely. actually. I, th- I, th- I, w- I always watch you on set. I think you're very, you're very sweet and uh, decent in the way that you conduct yourself. I've, I've noticed that you'll be always, like, if there's water's brought, to, brought over, you're always one of the last people to take a cup of water, like, you know, bottle or a cup of water, you'll make sure everyone else has had one first. I do know. Well, I tell, you, I, tell you, I tell you what, the reason I do that, Tom, actually, is it's because when I realised that I'd been given the smallest room, I assumed I was bottom in the hierarchy. So actually, <laughs> what I, I assumed that I just had to be the last person to take the water. <laughs> no, but you did that before a small room gate. You were, you've you, you've always been very gentlemanly yeah. and so uh, yeah. response. I think I yeah. think that I will do a mass surprise for you, a really nice big surprise to make this small room thing up. Something really really amazing that will blow your socks off. Okay, first of all, you don't need to do that. Second of all, I, I feel absolutely... like getting like a thousand balloons delivered to your house. <laughs> <laughs> you like to do. I tell you, one of the things that you like to do is you like to. Uh, draw attention to me on set in quite an embarrassing, knowing how much I hate it. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Don't you? No, I don't. Yeah, you do. Last week, Wait, what did you do? I you, did. Wait, I'll give an example. Week before last, you got the entire crew to sing "Happy Birthday" to me at the end of the day. Right, that's a fucking lovely thing to do for what are you like, like your best mate. I'm like, it's your birthday. I can't let you leave there without everyone singing "Happy Birthday." You what know, kind of savage it, does that. Hold on, you know me as well as you know me. You know <laughs> how horrific that is for me. Right. I thought a lovely singing, a rendition of that from, by the way, some beautiful singing that took place and a little tickle as you walked through. Mm. I thought it was nice. I got a tickled guard. Yeah. You sort of, you, you got everyone to sing happy birthday to him and then you sort of grabbed me and sort of trapped me in the corner of that sort of corridor bit and just started tickling me as I was sung happy birthday. <laughs> it was so <laughs> cute. If you could have seen it, I said to someone to film it and no one did. 
<laughs> I thought it was so like it was actually sort of so endearing because you were sort of quite bashful and sort of like it was, it was a lovely little moment. I was your treasure forever. <laughs> Look, actually, I'm gonna have to throw this out there because um, so I watched the Grum, uh, the the Ross Kemp thing, right, mm. and then uh, I was like sort of on this sort of escapade of enlightenment. So I started watching Seaspiracy. Have you seen that yet? Uh, this is the thing about the fishing industry, right? Yeah. No, I've heard a lot about it though. This is this is a secret. This isn't this lot from the same people that made Cowspiracy, right? Yeah. So I haven't watched. I never watched Cowspiracy, but no. I think I probably have to now because no, this has had big ramifications on my thought process. Okay. But give me the. Give me the can say, you give us the bullet points? Very different from the presenting style of Ross Kemp, the mm-hmm. young man who's made this. Um, but still as brave and still as valiant as Ross Kemp. I'd like to think maybe in his later years, he, he might end up being like maybe in a soap or whatever. But um, actually, I don't think you can make that transition from soap, from documentaries to other. You have to start at soap and then work your way from there. Anyway, um, but Ali, who presents, it's brilliant. He's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, the long and short of it is we shouldn't be eating fish. It's, yeah, it's and it's pretty damning on like, the whole of that, you know, the little stickers that you say that says dolphin friendly and all that sort yeah. of stuff. Essentially, that's it. Yeah. He gets threatened and all sorts. It's actually, it's an incredible piece of work. He gets a lot of threats towards him. Why does he get threats towards him? Because it's worth so much money, the fishing industry. Okay. So what's wrong with the dolphin friendly tuna then? Do they say? What do they say? It's all backed up by, essentially, it all comes through the same people who uh, the money is all sort of funneled up in all these industries. But basically, the whole context is they... They need. They want to fish because fishing's worth billions. And if we don't stop eating fish and we and we don't stop fishing the seas, like we're all just going to die. That's basically. Long if we don't stop fishing the seas, we're all going to die. Yeah, because of the carbon and all that, and the sort of like circular life and all that sort of stuff. Okay. I mean, that's literally that's 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 breaking down an hour and a half documentary and sort mm. of mm. as quickly as I can. My my mum my and dad are big, uh, well, my dad's passed away, sadly, but my mum and dad were, uh, Lisa, Lisa's, by the way, in the room, and yep. she just, the way I just went, I, I don't know what it is, I, I just, as I mentioned my dad, I had to say he's passed away, sadly, it happened nearly a decade ago, I don't know what, I don't know what the etiquette is for that sort of thing, I mean, anyway, the point is, Lisa yeah. looks across at me and laughed when I said that. Because we're talking about fish, and I've managed to bring my dad's death into it. Anyway, the point of the story is, is that Sri Lankan culture is very, very fish heavy, right? They love a bit well, of fish. What, what's really interesting is how these mass fishing, like people, fishermen, like sort of like, uh, sort of from Japan and China, are killing um, a lot of those sort of like um, Sri Lankan or like the whole Somali coast. They're just completely bludgeoning it. It's just taking everything from them. So all those small Swiss fishing villages are now starving. So that's one of the saddest parts of it. So when I say stop fishing, I don't mean I probably phrase that wrong because I'm not a documentary maker. I'm a comedian. Um, but we should stop the mess that fishing vibes that we're yeah. doing with these big boats and what's yeah. Um But go my, on, sorry, mate. My mum and dad used to take me to, we used to leave at four o'clock in the morning to go to Billingsgate Fish Market every now and again because they love fish so much. And then, like, my dad would, like, what? honestly, mate, because, like, they wanted, like, fresh fish to make curry out of. And my dad would, like, yeah. fuck off and, like, for a bit. He'd go, okay, wait here. And then he'd come back with, like, a box full of octopus. Or, like, I remember once he, like, he went off. He said, I'll be back in a minute. And he came back. He had a fucking shark. He made a curry fuck. out of it. What? Mate, genuinely. Shark, sharks, does it taste? Because I hear sharks doesn't even taste of much. Well, I mean, you curry it and it tastes, I mean, you know. 
Yeah, I, I guess that's my worry current. is right, Rob. Yeah, my my uh, my worry is I had fish and chips three times last week, and I shouldn't have for fishing reasons. So, so are you going to stop eating fish now? Yeah. No, you're not. Yeah. Well, I've got a load of fish fingers and stuff. Got some fish fingers and stuff, mate. I, I I watched it genuinely, and look, this is going to shock you, but I'm actually quite easily led. Right, well, that's not. And that's one of the least so, shocking. That's one of the least shocking things you've ever said to me. Um, and <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, so when I watched that. I thought, yeah. oh wowzers! Um, no more. If it swims in the sea, it ain't gonna swim in Big Tommy D. So that's what I'm saying. Jesus now. Christ! Did you just fucking do that? Do you just freestyle that now? Nah, I can't take credit. That's Jamie Dimitri. He told me that ages ago. Oh. But um, he what? He yeah. said what? He said it would if it swims in the sea, it won't swim in Jamie D. And I've just used mine, but he he'll be called me. Using so what did you do? He took Jamie out buds. and you swapped it for Tom. And put Tom. Oh, okay. Tommy D. Yeah. Big Tommy, and I put Big Tommy D. But, shout out, shout yeah. out to Jamie D. Me and Jamie often share these little sort of like rhymes and shit. So yeah, it helps, so, doesn't it? Because you can use Jamie. Let's just shout if you're listening to this. Jamie, you can use any of mine. So well, he's not going to be able to say that anymore, is he? Well, yeah, yeah, but he can always use one of my favourite ones. Um, if you're looking for eating and relief, don't eat beef. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you want to be a selfish sod, why don't you just go and have some chips and cod? Good. So, Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, if you're in the mood for a bit of how's your father, don't eat anything hotter than a chicken tikka masala. Wow. That's such a good one. Yeah. Thank I you. had a chicken tikka masala last night. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Mate, just, chicken tikka uh, yeah. masala, isn't that like, I, I'm surprised that you ordered that, bro. I had that and I also had a chicken uh, dan sack. You had a chicken dan sack and a Thanks, chicken bro. tikka masala. <laughs> yeah. Because like we're worried yeah. about the fish, but chickens, fuck them, right? Oh, chickens! Look, mate. At the moment, the the one thing I'm pretty focused on, and I want, want and until anyone tells me differently, I think chickens are fine to eat. I think they're cool to eat. That's one um, of the only ones left. Can I ask you an ethical question? Yo. Okay. So, vegans, you're not supposed to eat eggs, right? If I had my own chickens and I looked after them, yeah, and they yeah. laid eggs, do you think I should be allowed to eat those? Well, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I think you should be able to anyway. But I mean, I didn't know. I, I, I the other day when we had a cast member on who uh, was a vegetarian, but then ate an egg sandwich. I thought was fucking. Yeah, you thought pretty. that because you don't know what vegetarianism is. Yeah, but I, I thought vegetarian. So I don't. What is the difference between vegans and vegetarians, please? So, ve- vegetarians don't eat meat, right? Right. Vegans don't eat meat. So you can eat cheese, butter, yeah. milk, yeah, eggs, yeah. You can eat fish. No, you can't eat fish. Oh, okay. Well, they so some basically do. you can't eat anything that's been living. You can't eat, that's pescatarian, though, right? Yeah, you can eat stuff that's been living because all vegetables have been living, Tom. You understand that? Oh, right? fucking hell. It was not really much of a life, is it? What do you mean? <laughs> I mean, being a vegetable, it's literally like not much of a life as like, you know, you don't fucking eat a carrot and go, oh, yeah, the good in- innings, do you? <laughs> you know? No, because that was not a like... fucking insane. No, but that's just. What an insane thing that would be to say. Have you, tell me the last thing. When you were eating your chicken tikka masala last night, did you turn to Catherine and yeah. say, oh, he's had a good innings? You don't say that about animals either, do you? Well, no, but you know that you're eating saying that. You, well, it's a whole what? Look, I think the fact of the matter is anything that starts above the gra- uh, below the ground and comes yeah. up is fair game. So you'd eat a mull, would you? 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know if you can eat moles. I don't know what they taste like. I'm sure, you know, if I was out and about and someone said, oh, there's some, you know, I've got a bit of mole on the barbecue, I'd probably give it a try. I'm oh, quite adventurous it? in that way, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I somebody has some mole knocking about. Isn't that what those two hairy bikers do? They eat roadkill and stuff, don't they? I think so. I think roadkill's like a good thing to do. Aren't they trying to encourage people to eat grey squirrels because there's so many of them? Yeah, if you want a grey squirrel, to, if you want to get, go, go to uh, Hyde Park, there's loads there. What's the, what's the maddest thing you've ever eaten? Oh, I'll tell you, actually, I'll tell you what. It's not that mad because I think it's become a bit of a thing, but pig's ear. What, uh, how pig's how ear come you ended up eating that? With me and Catherine went to a restaurant and uh, it was this American guy who had this sort of like cool sort of sort of like boho-y sort of like barbecue restaurant. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, you know, I want you to try everything I have. I want you to try every little thing. Uh, so um, Catherine's like, as you know, she's not a big meat eater. She sort no. of. He's a bit of bits and bobs, but not a lot. So she sort of had a corn and cob and some chips. Um, and I, uh, he must have been absolutely. Got, he must have been absolutely gutted. I want you to eat everything. I want you to just be so experimental. I'll have corn and the cob and chips, please. Okay. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> no, but I was I was adventurous. I right, was like, okay, yeah. Uh, but he he brought over the pig's ear, and that was just like a big, just a big slab of fat, and it wasn't even crispy or shit. It was just like. So how did they do the pig's yeah, ear? It still had its hairs on, Rom. Still had hairs on, like you know the bottom of your hairs get, like, you know, you get yeah. those little hair, like hair, ear hairs. Uh, those. I have to. Sh- I I I occasionally get like not occasionally I get like the hairs at the top of my ears, fucking getting a little yeah. bit sort of yoderish, man. I have to like keep that shit <laughs> trimmed. It's so fucking unattractive. How but are your ca- nose hairs? Well, I, I trim those like once a week, so it's a bit different. But ear hair, you can. You know, fi- I go on. No, during lockdown, you know, what I brought I brought like wax things and the little things that you put up your nose yourself and pull them out. Yeah, I did that as well. Isn't it amazing? It is amazing. First of all, what I would say is it's amazing, unless you get your your moustache. Is that how you say it? How do you say moustache? Moustache. Moustache. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> that is. Fucking Downton Abbey rum. <laughs> Moustache. How do you oh say? Oh my god. How do you say? Moustache. Moustache, right, okay. Moustache. Moustache, yeah. Moustache. <laughs> Mate, that you know what that's the most embarrassed I've ever seen you. And no, you I'm not embarrassed. So. I'm not embarrassed. Hello, my name's Romesh. Can you trim my moustache, please? I did, first of all, I didn't say moustache. Said moustache. <laughs> Okay, don't start <laughs> fucking twisting it. I didn't say, uh, say, say moustache. Moustache. How'd you say it? Moustache. Moustache. Yeah, anyway, I got it caught in the wax. And then I sort of, as I pulled Ooh. the thing out, it ripped some off my top lip. The other thing though, mate. They give you a little guard, didn't they? Yeah, they do give you a little guard. It's like a little picture of a tash yeah. that you can stick. But it's, apparently it's really bad to do that. Why? But it's something like... It exposes the pores in the inside of your nostrils or some shit like that. Apparently, it's supposed to just trim. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah, yeah. You've got very uh, nice open pores on your nose. I had a close look at it the other day. Yeah, I know you did. You do like having a close look. Like the other day, you go to me, do you get wax in your ears? Because you'd looked right in my fucking ear because you got so close. <laughs> no, that is what that happened. sounds so creepy. No, but that you is what happened. sounds so weird. No, I'm, no, I'm, I'm describing exactly what happened. Right. I noticed a bit of wax in your ear. Yeah. Right? And I said, do you get waxy ears? I shouldn't have even asked, but I was like, it was like, that was more me going, mate, you've got a bit of wax in your ear. Be careful. Yeah, why don't, you just, why don't you just say that? 
But do you ever get waxy ears? Yeah, so then you go... And then what, do you, what are you doing? Are you testing my honesty there? So what happens then? I go, no. And you go, well, you fucking do, mate. Look in your logo now, you stupid bastard. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. That's how you go. Well, yeah, I do a little bit. And you go like that and you get rid of the wax. I'd be mortified, mortified to have to turn around to you and go, mate, you've got a bit of wax hanging out of your, your ear. Yeah, but how is that better than what actually happened? Where you were stood over me like a fucking, like my fucking cellmate. And you went, do you ever get, do you ever get waxy ears? And I go, why? Have I got waxy ears? And you go, a little bit. How is that different? How is that better than the alternative? I think it's the same though, isn't it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's how I'd sort of deal with sort of bad news and sort of like stuff. Well, so what do you do? If you you were, if you were sharing news of a bereavement, you got someone, you go, is your dad still alive? Yeah, he is. He's not, mate. (laughs) Um, quick question before we get into emails. Uh, yeah. And you know I like doing this. Have I been quite grumpy on this episode? Yes, this is the grumpiest you've been. This is by far. I'm going to talk to Lisa after this and say she's not to feed. You're like a gremlin. Is this the grumpiest stuff? Honestly, are you being serious? Now? Oh, yeah. yeah. This is this is genuinely the grumpiest you've Like I can tell you've eaten. You're like this on set sometimes. You have a big belly full of food. Well, that doesn't like, happen on your production. You are like- I can tell you that for nothing. <laughs> You're like a gremlin. Was it gremlins? You're not allowed to put water on them, are you? Or feed them after feed them dark? after midnight. You're like the opposite. You shouldn't. We should have done it. Earlier. Well, look. Can I? Can, no, no, no. Can I just apologise for being grumpy? I don't want to be grumpy, man. I love you. Yeah, I know. I love you too. But that's why I've had to be extra fucking wacky. Uh, okay, so let's go to some emails here now. Lisa, are these Lisa picked? Are these Lisa? The, these are Lisa. These are Lisa selections. Yeah. Is she sitting there just handing you the emails, or is she? No, no, she gave, She did it this morning, actually, but she's left the room now. I think because she slightly, oh, cool. slightly gets nervous about how we're going to um, talk about her selections. Um, okay, this is from um, Andy. Good stable name. And it says, congratulations on the podcast. It's really very good and gone straight in as my favourite. Quite apart from being funny, what makes it stand out is a strong sense of genuine friendship that comes across. Reminds me of my own friendships and mates. Fair play. Uh, anyway, I've noticed you refer a lot to your agents like most comics and comic actors. They seem to play a particularly important role in your professional careers, and I would love to know a bit more about your relationship with your agents. They often seem like so much more than an agent. Counselor, advisor, therapist, boss. Would be good to hear a bit more about that. By the way, I'm a 44-year-old bloke who also loves Katy Perry's firework too. I highly recommend the Fred Falk mix. Keep up the good work, Andy. Hey, Andy. I'm going to be listening to that Fred Falk mix, that's for sure, bud. Uh, also, I've got a question for you and all the Andys out there. I think Andy's actually one of those really cool names that you can, you know, you can have Andy, you can have Drew, the Druid, and Andrew. There's just loads of different ways of got nicknames that just come from your your name. So, yeah, I just wanted to shout out all the Andys out there. Okay, well, thanks for your answer to that question there, Tom. Uh, what I will say is, uh, with regards to agents, um, I'll tell you a little story, Andy. So... Basically, I was doing the... Uh, did you ever do... Tom, did you ever do any of the new act competitions? Yeah, a couple of them. So there's, yeah, yeah. there's these new act competitions that you do, and the idea, the reason you do them is so that if you get somewhere with them, like agents will see you or spot you or whatever, it's sort of what you... You know, when you start out as a new act, there's a few big competitions. One of the competitions I did 
was the Amuse Moose competition. Oh. <laughs> I, Just, did... I don't want to, because I, I don't want to give any oxygen to it, but the person who runs the Amuse Moose ones is maybe the worst person in comedy. <laughs> Second worst, actually. I won't say the first. <laughs> so anyway, I did the Amuse Moose competition. Um, and uh, somebody from Off The Curb, who are my agents, was at that gig, right? And they invited me to go and do Latitude's New Act of the Year. Have you know Latitude Festival? Wow. Right? Wow, that's early on in your career. Well, right? yeah, but that was, it was New Act Competition of the Year. So you just go and do oh, it. Yeah, so, yeah. But it's a big deal in terms of like, I think it's like, I don't know how big the comedy tent is at Latitude, like 4,000 or something, like 3,000, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I went to Latitude, very excited, off the curb had seen me, but, you know, they invited me to this thing. So I went, and did, uh, I went and did the competition and who else was on? I can't remember, like maybe James Acaster, Ivo Graham, uh, Eric Lampere was on, Arnold Tomlinson, a couple of, I can't remember who the others were. Anyway, long story short, I ate shit. Like, like properly fucking died in the comedy tent at Latitude, right? Like, properly, it went, it, it went, it went bad, really bad, right? And um, I left, like, gutted, because I thought, this is like, I was so excited about doing this, and now I've like, yeah, you know, obviously it's just all gone tits up. And so I left. Uh, when I got home, I had a message from Flo, who is my agent now, off the curb, going, Ramesh, I know that you think that didn't went, didn't go well, and I know you'll be upset about how it went down, but I'm telling you now, there is something about you. I'm going to be keeping my eye on you, right? And keep in touch. And that was when I had 10 minutes of material. I'd got no fucking interest from anybody, and she sent me that message. And I remember thinking that's somebody that like I've got to keep in touch with. And she's been my agent to this day. So it's like one of those things where Flo has sort of seen me from getting no work to gradually picking up, getting into the clubs and then getting TV and then doing my first Edinburgh and all that. So it does become like for me, I think my situation is a bit different to yours. But for me, it's become like it has been like a relationship where like it feels like we're doing it together. Do you know what I mean? Because she was, she saw me back, like back in the day when it first started. The other, the other thing that Flo has to put up with and Lisa and, uh, and Flo often talk about this is my, I would say almost superhuman ability to be completely disorganized, <laughs> like to be so not across my diary. The, the number of times that Flo has had to get me out of the shit because I'm supposed to be in three different places at the same time. This is at the beginning. Now she runs my diary. But at the beginning, the number of gigs I had to get out of because I double booked or triple booked myself. And so now they just, between them, they just manage. But anyway, in answer to your question, Andy, yes, I do have, it is a bit like a, like a mate. But also, I'd, I would shout out Flo as a cute like person as well, just not, not as my agent, but someone, since I've got, got to know you, I've got to know Flo very well. I think she's, I think she, she's an incredible person and, and like someone I, I I really rate Flo very highly just on her. I always like whenever, you know, we've sent her scripts of King Gary or edits of King Gary or when we started this podcast, I always say to you, I don't know, what does Flo think? I'm always upset because right. I think her actual, her her comedy brain and her <clears throat> her sort of like way of looking at this industry is impeccable. I think it's sort of second to none. 
my agent is a piece of shit who lives in my agent's an absolute G man I feel very blessed actually with him because it's a it's, yeah like you say it's a different one I when I first started off I went from I sort of had two or three agents I had one that I sort of don't really feel comfortable talking about at this time but I don't think it ever really really got me and and and, and it was actually weirdly Jack Whitehall turned to me and said look my mate is just he's been a sort of assistant at independent for a while and he's started to open up his own book of clients so i was his first ever client and now he's got some incredible actors and actresses but you know he doesn't really do the live thing but for my literally after signing with independent and sign, signing with humphrey and ollie who have sort of been major since and i love to death you know my career is just stratosphere yet they've been incredible you know from murder and successful to plebs to all of that just started snowboarding really with them and um, yeah, they're, they're they're a couple of great great guys. My first actually, the first person who looked after me was a woman called Tiffany Brown, who's brilliant. Who, who was I think was the only she really really sort of. Got, it's a really important relationship for that person to really. And I see it with Flo with Romesh. I think it's one of the loveliest relationships in our industry between Flo and Rom. But um, also, there's a big thing, and I don't know how you feel with Flo with this of them. What's great of the guys I'm with now, and and when I was with Tiffany Brown before, it was them knowing the stuff that's right for you and knowing, yeah. me and you don't come from wealthy stock we don't come from a place where you have you know infinite sort of money to sort of fall back on so certainly on it in your earlier career early career you sort of you can sometimes make choices that you know can be the wrong choices to make them financially at the time they make sense but sort of like you know fast forward you, you know they can they can be a bit of a killer and, and tiffany i think back then and um and ollie and humphrey have always been brilliant at that and I think that's that's the sort of thing that yeah it has to be a friendship. It has to, I, I speak to Ollie all the time, mm. and um, yeah, you know, I, I don't. I genuinely think he's yeah, he's just been yeah. They've both been good guys to have in my corner. Both from yeah, Ollie and Humphrey. It's a weird one as well, isn't it? Because certainly for myself, I've always had that thing of just pushing my own thing. Anyway, I've always yeah, from starting up the company to to, I've always had a very clear view on where I think I want to be. But yeah, man, it's just. If you get it right, it's a beautiful thing. I, th- I think another thing to shout out, and this is for anyone, I don't know how you feel about this from A lot of people will blame their agents for not having any, any success. They'll jump from agent to agent, and you're like, oh, you still with this person? They're like, oh, no, that's three people ago. Um, I think agents, if you get them right, will always facilitate the moves you're making, and they'll help you, but they're not. You have to put that hard work. I, I saw so many people early on get agents and then just take their foot off the gas and think, oh, that's it, I've arrived now. And the truth of the matter is, yeah, still down to you to sort of push that side of things and still keep on growing and keep yeah that's it's, it's your it's your battle to win yeah i would say though just with that in mind Flo, if you are listening if you stop getting me work i'll drop you in a fucking heartbeat let me just be absolutely crystal clear wow no listen in all seriousness Flo's like she's she's one of my best mates um she's one of my favorite people in the whole world but um but you're right in what you're saying is like Sometimes we'll get, and I know people like to make this joke about how I don't fucking say no to anything, mainly because of me agreeing to do Gary. But like, but I, I think in truth, the number of times Flo will go, it just doesn't feel right for you. Or, you know, we've got to think about what your next, you know, what, what, what do you want your next thing to be? And, you know, she, she's really good at that. And, and you're right. It is about having that relationship, that working relationship. And so, yeah, anyway, I hope that answers your question, Andy. Okay, should we do one more email? Yeah, go on, one more. Um, guys and Lisa, brackets, great podcast. Oh, this is, is, that's interesting, isn't it? Guys 
brackets and Lisa. Now, when I was a teacher, I used to say yeah. when the class would get noisy, I'd go, guys, guys, can we keep it down? Is that gender specific, guys? I mean, I know a guy, guys uh, and girls or whatever, but if you say guys to a group, am I being a horrible misogynist? No, I always say guys. I always say guys. Okay, like that just confirms it. That, I mean, that yeah. sort of confirms that both of us are. I, I mean, but then I don't know if I'm the right. Do you know that was Jamie Dimitro's nickname on a uh, show we did, Jamie Brackets? Because if you have a scene, <laughs> oh, I know what's going to happen. If you have a scene in a sitcom or a show or a film and you don't have any words, they put your name in brackets. Oh, do they? Yeah. That's interesting. Surprised that wasn't that didn't happen to me for every day that we're in Newcastle. Can, can I uh, let me let me ask you another thing? If you if you are in scenes where you don't have lines, is, is it also tradition to put them in the smallest fucking room? <laughs> mate, honestly, I feel bad about this smallest room. You don't. I'm only I joking. So I'm bad. Mate, I'm winding up. I'm winding up. Um, okay, uh, this is from Simon Ambler. He says, guys and Lisa. Great podcast, constantly makes me look like a weirdo as I laugh loud on my daily walk. Anyway, I need your help. It's my wife's impending 40th birthday. Ask her for ages what you want or what to do for it. Nothing. She can't be bothered with it due to this fucking pandemic. So as a pick-me-up, I've booked for the two of us to have the week away just before Christmas in Mauritius. Wow, boy. Now, how do I give her this gift on her birthday? Any ideas are warmly welcomed. Keep up the good work. Cheers, son. I would say buy a hundred balloons, right? And put the tickets in one of the balloons, right? Mm-hmm. And then turn around to her and say, one of these balloons has a surprise in, but you've got to pop them all. And when she pops that winning balloon, it's going to be Will an amazing like Charlie. Do you, uh, do you want him to say it in, in, in as predatory a way as you said it? No, no. You'd probably just like hold her like this and then just yeah. say, in one of these balloons... Here's the surprise of a lifetime. Get popping. God, that's fucking horrible. <laughs> what? No. And then, and then she'll go through the, and it'll be like Charlie in the chocolate factory when she finds the, the tickets. When we were doing um, Asian Provocateur 2, do you, know, do you know when you do promotions yeah. for shows and stuff? And like you, you get put in touch with the social media department and they always want to do some like mad thing to try and... Yeah. They also did some mad, wacky ideas. So one of the ideas they had for Asian Provocateur was that they got people to send in questions and then they put those questions in balloons and I was stood in this tiny room with a pin just bursting balloons and then picking up the questions off the floor and answering them because that's better than just answering questions that are in a stack of cards or whatever. But I couldn't fucking believe it. I walked in. There's all these balloons over the back wall, and they're like, okay, so we thought it'd be really cool if you burst the balloon and then answer, ask the question and then answered it. And I said, and what do you think this is adding to this? I didn't say it in an arsey way. I just sort of said, and they just went, just sort of give it a bit of spice. I went, all right, okay, well, let's just do it. And so I found yeah, myself. Yeah, but then she's it, looking for, I, I will say that those people, yeah, we, I just had a big list of stuff that we could do for the King Gary uh, press, and nearly all of it sort of involved me and you doing something wacky. Uh, which has all been said no to. But anyway, um, but I think, no, this would be far, far more exciting for her. She's running around. It's a bit like fun house. Maybe you could put some sort of like something on the floor so she could be falling over and stuff. It'd be quite fun. Yeah. So what are you um, saying? Sort of lube up, lube up. So yours, let me just get this. Up. So you sort of lube up the floor, put some foam in there, make it sort of wet and slippery. And then a hundred balloons and she runs around like sort of what, an excited puppy bursting the balloons until she finds it's a trip to Mauritius, yeah? I mean, the worst thing is if she bursts the first balloon and it's in there. So what I will say is 
Simon, I believe his name was, was Simon, mate. Um, make sure you really pug that balloon up so she's probably got at least 60 balloons to get through before she gets to your one. 60 is too many, isn't it? I think like 10 or something. No, 10? What, you, then what are you going to do with the rest of the balloons? Lie we about? just fucking have them there. But like 50... oh, you know what you could do is put loads of glitter Put loads of glitter in the balloons. That's a great All idea because it's not because it's as it is now. It's not quite annoying enough. You're right. <laughs> Why are you so down on this idea? I'm not down on the. I I'm think not... it's a really like. What what would you be? Well, oh, you just give it to her in an envelope and kiss her on the cheek and say, "Oh, we're going to Mauritius." But you've got to think of some jazzing thing. Right, right. Maybe put on a song when you're doing it. That's a good idea. Everybody's free to feel good. <laughs> like, it could be amazing. I'd say that would be my thing, so si. Yeah, or you could... Or, just you, the last one, Simon, if you can't get your hand on any balloons, make a massive sandwich and put the tickets in the sandwich. Um, is there any way uh, that you could um, organise it so that... First of all, by the way, I, I've only just processed what you just said. Put the tickets in a sandwich. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe you could... Is there any way that you could do it so that she doesn't realise until you, you know, you sort of... Said, I'm going to take you out for dinner. And then I know that you're not leaving on her birthday, but if you gave her, say, if you gave her a decoy present, like a, a pair of trainers she likes, or so, I don't know why I'm giving you other examples, just any decoy present. So she thinks that's her present, right? And then as the holiday approaches, you book it, you book it with her work, sort out the two weeks off, get it all organized on her behalf, right? And then you do it as a big surprise. Like you go, we're going away. You say we're going for dinner or some shit like that. We're going for lunch or whatever, depending on what time the flight is. You book the car. You get in the car. You've sorted out the suitcase. I don't know how the fuck you... You know, you, you deal with the logistics of it. The point I'm trying to make is you want to try and engine it so you're in the car and you go, actually, we're going to Mauritius for two weeks for your birthday. I love you. You're the most incredible thing that's ever happened to me. And every single day that I wake up and remember that I'm with you is a day that I'm grateful for. Thank you so much for being in my life. I actually like those words. You could write them on the back of the ticket and put them in the balloon. Yeah, what absolutely. I will say, Rom, is this, right? 95% of the enjoyment of holidays is a lead up to it. That like, is, that's, an inc- that's an incredible thing to say. I, I would say the direct opposite of that. 95% of the horror of a holiday is a lead up to it. It's a ball eight. I mean, the lead up's the best bit. Oh, I can't wait to be there. Just lying on the beach. and <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what you did there with your arms and everything was absolutely horrifying. No, what I'm saying to you, I regretted it as soon as I did it. <laughs> that was bad. That was really bad. That was muggy. What I'm saying to you is you got, right, the two of you just get excited about this holiday of the last time. Genuinely, mate, when you get to, right, Maldives and Mauritius, I can't remember which one you're going to. When you get Mauritius. there, it's quite a sort of, yeah, it's a beautiful place, but there's not a lot to do. But you don't know this yet. But when you do get there, it's, it's quite a sort of, like, it's a lot of laying about. So actually the excitement of getting there is almost some of the most exciting stuff. Okay. So I guess, um, I guess, so, yeah. I guess what Tom's advice is there is you create this chamber of balloons because from what Tom's experience tells him, that's actually going to be better than the holiday itself. So sorry you've put that, mate. Uh, but Tom thinks it's not actually going to be as good as this sort of 
slip and also, slide that he just quickly, mate, us. Simon, why would you rather turn around, um, uh, don't, let's call your wife Abigail, when Abigail was remembering how she, you know, oh, yeah, he, you know, he kept it a secret from me for six months. He he basically eternalised all of this worry whether I was going to like it or, oh, my God, it's mental. I had to burst like 100 balloons. Mm. I was slipping on the floor and glitter was raining down on me. Yeah, he basically recreated yeah. Pat Sharp's fun house to... Uh, to present me with my 40th birthday present. It was magical. <laughs> um, right, Tom, we're out of time, brother. Yo. Um, yeah. Well, by the way, I hope that helps you, by the way, advice-wise. Good luck. Please tell her we said happy birthday. I'll be honest with you, Tom, I'm slightly surprised that you haven't um, offered for us to do it, to present her with the, the present. That's normally what you do. Yeah, I just I, I tried to hold back on that. We're going to see how Fridays go, but I, you know, I just just decided to sort of pull back about offering after our discussion last week. Yeah, right. but I mean, if he wants us to do it, we can. Okay, just say we can do it on a Facetime when it's our birthday because we are together a little bit uh, coming up. So just give us a shout, say si. okay, bud. Cheers, say si. cheers, Simon. Tom, first of all, before yeah. you do your thing, Tom, I just like to take this opportunity to apologize if I came across as grumpy on this episode. Um, I didn't think I was being I grumpy. think I've got some words for you to help you. Okay, go for it. Over to you. Hey, little rain cloud. Why are you so sad? Listen, the thing about rain is it doesn't last forever. The grayness, the darkness, sometimes the claps of thunder are only moment- momentary. And sooner... Rather than later, a sunshine will crack through and you'll be fluffy again, looking down upon your kin and all of the things that you like looking upon. What the whole circle of life is this? There's different kinds of weathers. Some of them are quite insane. Some of them are quite normal. Enjoy the normal, but embrace the insane. And then, little cloud, You'll be free. Uh, that was really nice. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I don't know how much I enjoyed you calling me Little Cloud, but, <laughs> but yeah, nice. I just I, uh, well, it wasn't just about you, but it was about anyone who feels a bit down. Mm. Yeah, and you know, I'm seeing you tomorrow, and I can reassure everyone here, Romish is going to get the biggest tickling he's had of his life. Because I, I, I don't want, I don't, I don't, I don't want the tickling. Thank you. Big. Crispy old tickling. Uh. Uh, if you've got any problems, questions, uh, anything you want to share, please email wolfalpod at gmail.com. This has been me, Romesh Ranganathan, the owl. And me, Tom Davis, the wolf. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>